I actually have a question for all of you. What is your experience with animations? I've never animated anything. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode nine of React Native Radio. Today we have Peter Pykarczyk. Hey everyone. Lee Johnson. How's it going? Jed Watson. Hey everyone. Kevin Old. Hello. And my name is Natter Davitt. Today on our show, we have Jason Brown. And um, Jason is to React Native animations, I guess, uh, is what Stephen Hawking would be to physics. So, Jason, can you go ahead and give us a quick intro of yourself and give us some information about what uh, your background and what it is that you do? Sure. Yeah. So, hello, Internet, first off. I am a front-end developer. Just been doing JavaScript forever and self-taught and I didn't know animations and wanted to learn them. So I started blogging about them and that's kind of where all of my tutorials came from. I saw something get posted and I decided to duplicate it. And uh, so far people think I'm an animation expert, but I can duplicate really well. Yeah. So uh, this is something we've been wanting to get into for a while. So I guess just to start off, what is like the main starting point to implement some really basic stuff in React Native? Is there a certain library or something that is like the go-to or is there more than one? Yeah. So React Native has two libraries. Well, not really libraries, but, you know, internals, layout animation and animated library that was released. And I'm a bigger fan of animated because you ultimately have more control over of what views are specifically getting the animation attached to them. Whereas layout animation applies to the entire component that you're currently at. Those are the two I lean more towards animated, but if you have some performance issues, sometimes layout animation is better, especially when you don't know defined values. Layout animation works better with flexbox toggling and, and, and things kind of happening uh, without you defining values, whereas animated is better for gestures and kind of controlled animations, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Did you start on this before the new animated API and then switch over, or did you really get into it after the new? It was kind of as soon as it got released, I dove into it. Um, So I've only been doing this for a couple months now of doing animated stuff. Probably three months I've been doing animated work. So I got released and I figured I'd dive in and started playing with it, making a Tinder demo. Well, I'd built a Tinder demo before without using animated. That's kind of like the the default de facto, like, can my framework do Tinder? And the answer is yes. It's kind of like take a stab at it. So I first did it without animated, I react Tinder without animated. And then the first thing I did was build Tinder in, in React Native with the new animated library. How was it changing over to the new animated library for that? Actually quite simple, a lot easier. There was uh, obviously not a lot of demos written, so it was a lot of of reading code, but it was more performant and everything was just kind of easy to write. You write animated dot whatever value and things magically kind of work. It it did help that uh, Christopher Chideau eventually released his like talk at, um, what was it, React Relay uh, 2015 about his building of the animated dot view and the animated dot, all that kind of stuff. So he released his talk on that and that kind of helped better understand like the internals of what was actually happening with all that. Speaking of docs and and rebuilding things, I mean, your blog is now just a wealth of information about how to do various different animations. It looks like you took that uh, build Tinder demo uh, concept and just like exploded it and built all the other things. (laughs) I mean, you've got... (laughs) Like recreating the Apple TV interface, you know, you've got this exploding heart Twitter <laughs> style thing going on. Yeah, it, it's, I feel like there should be a question at the end of that, but there isn't really. It's just, you've got all this cool stuff now. Oh no, there was a question. So you do go through a few other libraries and you mentioned just using React Animated. Yeah, but there's stuff like Geo React Native and things like that. Well, what else is like, what are the other tools in your animation toolkit when you're working in React Native? Oh man, that's tough. A lot of it's React art. No, so so there's a lot out there about React art, or there's not a lot out there about React art, I should say. And so that was my like one big thing is is figuring out how to take all of the like bits of information that I had about React art and building that out. So that was actually one of my goals is to document React art, which is not documented at all. But because that can take SVG paths, ultimately I go and look at 
other code out there, other SVG manipulation stuff on the web, and then attempt to apply that to React Native, React Art, and the animated library so that, you know, ultimately there's this information out there about the munging of the web and eventually the the creation of that on, on React Native. So I don't necessarily have like a, a toolkit or, or anything like that. It's kind of a process of just, you know, uh, going out there, analyzing it kind of frame by frame, and then attempting to map that to different techniques in the animated world. So I have a question. Did you come to this from a web perspective? Like, were you doing web development and web animations, or were you working with native animations? And, like, how was the uh, transition to doing them in React Native, and what are the differences and things like that? So I I guess it may be surprising. I was... I never really did animations before besides some minor CSS animations. Um, you know, I've looked at React, like React Motion, um, and I've looked at a couple of other uh, like web-based libraries. But, but ultimately, I, I really had no idea what the appropriate thing to do with animations really on the web was or on native for that matter. I know there's a couple other things internal to Objective-C or iOS, I should say, for for animations. But yeah, ultimately, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I came from a a totally naivete background of transform on a on CSS, and that that was about the extent of my my background. So it's been a, a whirlwind of of kind of taking that CSS understanding and attempting to apply that to animated and breaking it down. But my last actually, my last tutorial, the Exploding Hearts, kind of took a different stab at a different technique of um, using keyframes, essentially. So like taking the keyframe concept of, of defining what things should look like at every single point and then animating from like zero to 28. So there's like 28 frames. And uh, that actually worked out really well. Yeah, I just kind of looked at other techniques out there in terms of like in the animation world and attempted to apply them with animated and uh, do the keyframes come directly out of their API, or is that something you had to implement specifically? Oh, that's something I had to implement. I mean, you just you animate from zero to twenty-eight, and then define with input range on interpolate, which is one of the like extensions of new animated value. So you define a value. So I defined a value initially. The, the initial frame would be zero, and then using input range and interpolate, I was able to define boundaries. So like from frames four to 5.99 be this, and then from frames six through something else, do that. That's kind of like the, the technique that I took. And so a lot of it is hand-rolling in, in React Native, at least, with, with animated. But there is a, a cool library out there called React Animatable. And it kind of defines a lot of these CSS-style animations from, I think it's Animate CSS, for you, which is actually really cool. I think input range and interpolate were like the saving grace for me with animated. The first thing I tried to do with it was probably transition between like one color to another. And I was like, oh, sweet, this will be really easy with animated. And then I was like, no, that's actually not possible. You can't tween strings. <laughs> and then it turned out that input range and interpolate could tween strings and like the world was as it should be again. <laughs> was, yeah. yeah, that's something that like is so poorly documented because you're just like, well, I guess I can only do numbers. And it's like, no, 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 you do RGBA, you can do degrees, you can do radians, you can do all of that. You just got to use interpolate. Yeah, the logic behind that must be super clever. I'm hoping that that ends up into sort of coming back into the main API. There was an issue a while back about, you know, couldn't we just use this logic in the main, you know, from value to value? But uh, I don't know where the status of that's up to. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, there's been a lot of talks about the future of animated. So first off, how animated kind of works internally is is there's a like a request animation frame. So so on the JavaScript side, they use the request animation frame polyfill and then call set native props over to the Objective C world. But I think ultimately what they want to do is is take that bunch of stuff out of the JavaScript world and move it over to the Objective-C world in like a shadow queue. So kind of what they do for like layout and all that kind of stuff, moving it into its own thread on the Objective-C world so that everything's performant or more performant now than it than animated actually is. So Speaking of Objective-C, I've actually got two questions for you that I haven't had a chance to look into lately. One, React Art, I believe that that's still iOS only and hasn't made it to Android yet. Is that the case? That is sadly the case. I looked at some issues, but you know, there's, there's no necessarily release, release date for it. I do know they have it because they use it in their ads manager. 
for graphs and stuff like that. So they have it. It's just not released yet. Right. And then, you know, the follow-up question, I guess, is just an Android one. When you're working on these animations, are you just working in iOS? Have you experimented with what the performance is like on Android? You know, like, how is that whole cross-platform experience with the animated stuff that you're working on? I ignore Android for now because it's kind of, I would say, half-baked. And there's an issue out there, a pull request that actually adds in the ability to animate those particular values, even though it is calling set native props. And so I don't know, it doesn't perform exactly great on Android at the moment, and I'm hoping it gets better. But Android's something that I've kind of completely ignored because there just isn't a ton of stability there. And so I'm kind of waiting for it to get more stable before really taking a stab at, at doing animations on it or releasing stuff for it. I think I can actually hear hearts breaking from all the way in the future when people are listening to this episode. <laughs> well, let's not, let's not, you know, it's not too bad. React or Android Studio came out today and it now offers fast reloading or whatever they're calling it, where um, it's just like React Hot Loader. Yeah, I saw that today too. It looks exciting. Um, I think a lot of people are attempting, maybe not attempting to, but pulling those concepts from the React Native world to get that, you know, instant feedback and the developer experience to be a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such a powerful tool too. It'll be great to see if they can leverage both the Android side of that and Java with JavaScript to come up with something really creative. I actually have a question for all of you. What is your experience with animations? I've never animated anything. (laughs) (laughs) Animated a hover before on CSS. Yeah, same here. No no animation experience. So this is all new to me. So it's a neat world. And I do have a question for you. Um, what are you using the animations for in real world apps that you're building? I kind of just quit my day job since I wasn't doing any, any React Native there. And I've kind of transitioned into picking up some contract work. And so a lot of the interactions that I'm doing in some of that contract work are, are pretty basic. Um, nobody has asked me to do anything crazy or, or design such an experience that I really needed to take advantage of anything I've written, honestly. There was a, a company that reached out to me. And actually, another they missed my email back to them. So another person got the job. But uh, it was basically Explore Animations and React Native. And I was like, oh, man, I could have gotten paid for that. But it's really been sparse for people actually wanting to implement complex animations. So I, I've just been goofing around, honestly. I will totally talk to you about that later. We have a couple of apps in production that we've been building animations into using React Native. The reason I asked the Android question is because one of them is due to start, like we're due to finish the iOS build in a couple of weeks and then we need to immediately start on an Android build and that will be our first React Native for Android app in production. So that's going to be really interesting to kind of take that from, you know, the basic, like I've experimented with it to I need to ship this app but we've got a, a bunch of experience doing animations in React from Touchstone JS as well. So we are, are you familiar with Touchstone at all? Uh, I, I know I, I know of it. Yes. Yep. So really quick background: uh, before it, React Native was announced, um, we were working on a hybrid app UI library for React, basically Ionic for React, um, which we call Touchstone JS, and we shipped a number of production apps in that as well. And so we kind of had to get really native feeling animations and we use CSS transition group to implement most of those because the hardware acceleration for that actually let us get, you know, really nice, smooth sort of 60 frames a second animations between scenes and things. Then React Native, we started playing with that as well. And it felt like it was this huge step backwards in terms of being able to animate anything because CSS transition group is kind of like an escape hatch for the fact that you can't animate state changes in React. And Cheng Lu was doing some interesting experiments around animation uh, and still is like heavily focused on it. But at the time, they really weren't performant enough to achieve the experience that we wanted on mobile, particularly in a web view. So React Native was kind of like, oh, oh how do we do anything now? <laughs> and then, of course, React Europe happened and there was the new animated API. And suddenly it, it kind of leapfrogged React for the web in terms of we suddenly had this really cool, super powerful animation API that we could use to tween state changes, which is effectively what Chenglu was doing. And that has been a, a really cool thing to play with. We use a mixture of, of layout animation, 
and animated to do various things. Interestingly, like a lot of the, I guess, in production, I mean, it's cool when you see the bubbleheads demo, you drag stuff around that kind of trails the, the touch event. And that's, that makes for a really cool animation demo. Maybe not such a cool user experience for a real world app. I think if my buttons followed my finger around, I'd be less impressed. You know, just things like pulsing a color background when uh, we've got this app where you can scan a barcode or QR code and an action will highlight. So we kind of pulse the background of the hot area in the UI when that happens. And it just indicates that you can tap on it for a, a period of time and then it will fade out. So we use a combination of things like that to tween background colors and move things around on screen in response to state changes. And then LED animation has been great because it's kind of like this, you know, cure all, hey, I want my you know, my new thing to rearrange the layout of everything else on my page. And all I have to do is add about two lines and suddenly, you know, there's a visual shift between what my uh, scene used to look like and what my scene now looks like that's a lot easier to follow kind of what happened as a user. So they sort of both seem to have ended up being really good tools in the real world. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And also on the, the React Motion part, there have been talks that I have not followed closely about switching React Motion over to using Animated, but Animated for the web does exist, but is currently broken. So the, the goal is to have Animated you know, start out on the React Native side, and now they're working on porting it to the web. So can I have yeah. a quick, quick question on that? You keep mentioning uh, Animated and React Native Art. What Can you explain the difference between the two? Sure. Um, so React Art is a... Uh, is a as a basically like a canvas visualization. So like uh, it allows you to use SVG paths and and render um, uh, to like a CA layer. Uh, bas- basically allows you to render performant um, uh, SVG paths and stuff like that. Um, so that's like for rendering circles or different shapes or anything like that. You could do that with with React Art. Um, animated is the library that's used for animating various values. So, you know, maybe you want to drag something around. So you might have animated being controlling that. And then you could use things like animated decay to, to do to do accelerations, or maybe you want to animate the height of something and you want it to spring and bounce. And so you could use animated to say, animate this value to from zero to say 100 and add some spring to it. And then that would be passed into the style property on an animated.view at the height at height. And then that would allow the animated control to be linked to the value, to be linked to the actual view that's rendering. So yeah, so React Art's more for visualization and stuff like that. And then animated is all about controlling the view and styling and colors and, and making them provide some animations and experience that you can't get. If I understand it correctly, and I really haven't looked into sort of under the hood to know whether this is right or not, I kind of assume that, you know, in a lot of ways, the animation, aside from just implementing the the tweening algorithms, is really about having a way to update the state of something that's been rendered without going through a set state and a re-render cycle. So it can be a lot more efficient. It's kind of like an internal escape hatch to do specifically animation you know, really efficiently when you know that that's the only value that you're changing in the state. Yeah, it, that's actually part of Christopher Shido's talk is he goes through the process of or showing his process of getting to this escape hatch of basically data binding, which everybody's like, oh, no, data binding. Um, you know, that's Angular. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's he goes through this whole process of like static containers and using um, just basically he lands on like the most efficient thing is is manipulation. And then creating this little bridge with uh, React lifecycle events like component receive props and stuff, and and ultimately controlling exactly what you want to manipulate without you know doing a diff, which can be expensive. And also, often the render method can be expensive as well if you're you know doing any like you, you don't have to recalculate all the child components. Um, there's sort of a whole lot of functions that probably aren't getting run with that. I oh, guess. Yeah, definitely. How does the API, as far as doing animations on on the web with React versus doing animations for React Native, like how is the difference there? I know that I'm used to doing a lot of uh, animations with JavaScript and CSS and things like that, but I haven't really dug into this yet. If anyone's ever done that, I'm just kind of curious. So 
depending on on whether you go with a library like like jQuery to do your animations and and doing DOM manipulation or or CSS or if you go for the more declarative approach, which you know React is, you, you should have things more more declarative. Like um, React Motion is is you're declaring your animations with React components, which is really awesome. It works similar in that you specify a start value. So you say new animated value zero. So you're starting at zero. And then you put that somewhere and you call animated whatever. So you could do like an animated timing. So you could define a new animation that goes over a length of time or animated spring or animated decay. And you pass in that animated value that you created. And then you pass in an object. And that object is going to be is going to tell you like two values. So you would say zero is the initial and then two value zero, and then you'd call start. So basically, you just define an upfront animated value and then call various methods on animated and then give it a, a configuration and then start the animation. It's not declarative, sadly, but it's kind of similar to some of the stuff on the web where you provide a start value, you provide kind of an end value, and then kind of a configuration for springs and easing and all that kind of stuff. I kind of feel like the fact that it's not declarative, and I guess, you know, React purists get your pitch folks out for me here, but <laughs> I feel like that actually makes it a little bit easier to work with. And once you define a reasonably complex animation, it makes it easier to sort of understand. And, you know, like if, if I come across an animated call that someone else has written on my team and I look at it, it's easy to understand where and why it's being triggered and then what it's doing. It, it sort of feels like it's, Despite not being declared, like it's a very reacty API. Uh, like it, it doesn't feel out of place in the rest of the framework to me. Yeah. So some of the other um, issues that I run into with declarative things is that you know you might trigger an animation, but sometimes you want to reset that animation, and a lot of that's just pushed into it. But it forces you to have a certain hierarchy. And if you're depending on lifecycle events for those kind of things or having to structure things accordingly, I've, I haven't run into too many issues, but sometimes I've run into issues where, you know, that, that doesn't always work well, having something declarative with, you know, React and keys and all that kind of stuff. That's a whole other topic. But ultimately, I do feel that transitioning to this stuff, it is easier to understand because it's not declarative. And you mentioned React Motion, which does have a declarative API, but I'm kind of mixed on that. Like, I, I love the work that, that Cheng was doing on that, but at the same time, it's sort of, it feels a little bit harder to understand how it's going to be controlled in the context of the, like you said, the, the life cycle of my components in, in the app. Yeah. And the other problem is it's using set state. So we talked about yeah. the diffing. You're going to have that thing diffing a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of render cycles. Yeah. Like, like a lot. <laughs> What other, like in, in your animation travels, what else have you come across in terms of APIs? Has there been anything else that sort of stood out as a way to control an animation uh, other than, you know, the, the animated API or the declarative approach of something like React Motion? I think there's just a lot of, of little tweaks that you can do um, that maybe some people don't know about. Um, so, for example, uh, if you define, so there's a thing called uh, that Exponent.js crew release called Invertible Scroll View. And what's cool about that is it actually uses scale negative one, which causes that particular view to flip. And so there's just all these little tricks of like more of the transform stuff because a, a lot of the animations you're going to be tr controlling are the transforms like rotate X, rotate Y, skew, scale, all those kind of things. So I've actually found like some of the cooler tricks with those are, are super effective techniques to, to do stuff. Not necessarily any sort of other APIs that I've, I've come across that work well, I guess. It would be interesting. Kind of my next exploration is, is getting into the bridging world, bridging Objective-C, bridging Swift to the React Native world. And ultimately, I'd love to see other like Objective-C libraries, animation libraries get bridged over and, and see how they work, if they perform better or if they're easier to use versus animated in the JavaScript world kind of thing. Yeah, we just actually had a, a episode about bridging. That seems that was very interesting. I don't know if it's come out yet or not, but it's definitely worth listening to if you haven't heard it yet. I don't think it has come out yet, so that's going to be exciting. So uh, going back to the invertible scroll view, that's pretty interesting. So the the way they accomplished that it was basically flipping it, and then it's I'm guessing it's pushing to the array the same way, but because it's flipped over, it's coming out the bottom. Is that how they accomplished that? Yeah, you have to you have to reverse your data. 
But what it, it kind of allows you to do is when you say scroll to zero, it'll scroll to the actual bottom because the zero would technically be the top, but now it's the bottom because you've inverted it. It's a really fantastic technique. That was cool. Yeah, we're implementing that in, uh, in our app. And I, 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 it's been a while since I've looked at the code, but I remember something like that, but I never actually looked at how it was how they accomplished that. So Yeah, it, I, I should have thought of it because I actually didn't realize... Um, I mean, a lot of these things you just find out by using the library, but um, so with interpolate on animated, if you don't call it like extrapolate clamp, which says like, don't go past these values. If I say the output range is from zero to one, then once you hit one, stop doing stuff. Um, if you don't define extrapolate clamp, it'll go past one. So if the animation continues, it'll go from one to two at whatever the current step is. So I accidentally forgot that extrapolate clamp and my value eventually went neg to ne- negative on a scale and my stuff flips around. I was like, oh, that's a nice. really useful technique. <laughs> so like a lot of these things you just like find out completely accidentally by just forgetting writing bad code, really. Well, if that's the case, I should be really good at that. Yeah. <laughs> you write some really cool animations when you totally screw up. <laughs> yeah, I was just, it, just on that last note, it was a frustrating experience trying to get something to scroll to the bottom that's dynamically coming in and the fact that you have to flip it on its head to get it to work correctly was a bizarre thing but it it, it works great and in the end it actually does what it's supposed to do yeah unless so actually you, oh sorry sorry go for it no 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 <laughs> sorry, I, I was just going to say uh, I've been implementing a chat and uh, there have been some some minor issues with list view but that's that's a whole different a whole different podcast I'd actually be interested in hearing more about how you're using list view with chat um, at least from the perspective of I've never built chat in Objective C, but it sounds very intriguing. Uh, yes. So there's um, there's actually a, a library that got released called Gifted Messenger, um, React Native Gifted Messenger. Um, ultimately, you use a list view with an inverted scroll view, and you push your data onto it. The, the problem that you kind of run into, and, and here's something to look out for with list view, is the the row data change source doesn't handle unshift well, which is popping something on top of the uh, on top of the array in, in JavaScript. And the solution there is to actually make sure that the array reference is always new. So with so when you pass to the clone with rows, you need to give it a new array reference so that things will re-render pseudo correctly. But but ultimately it's been pretty okay. Getting left and right, you know, messages, one on the left, one on the right, has actually been pretty trivial. I did run into one problem. With it, if you want a message to automatically resize, so rather than being a defined width of like whatever, flex one with 30 on the left or 30 on the right to kind of give that left and right look, if you want the message to be filled, you have to use like flex start and you have to use all these crazy flexbox layout things. But ultimately, if you want word wrapping and, and flex start, you have to define a width, which is kind of a shame. But list view is, is a complete pain to use. So that's my, my take on list view and using it in chat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're doing some uh, some chat stuff right now. This this is pretty cool. The uh, gifted messenger um, is it is it something you would use in production? I mean, is it is it there yet? I haven't even really seen it. That's why I asked. It was released like last week. Um, I personally don't necessarily. It was built all right, but um, I think it could have been composed a little better of multiple different components. So it's just a one gifted messenger component. I would have kind of preferred to see it as here's a chat message, here's a chat input, and having those render methods. Like, you know, when you do like a, a list view, you have like render row, and you have with navigator, you have render scene. Um, and that allows you to kind of render arbitrary components inside of, uh, inside of a, a, a component, uh, another, a, not a, you're not your component, but their component kind of thing. I would have loved to see like it built out as like chat input and then having a render left button or render right button or it's more configurable. But um, I think it actually looks pretty good code wise. So if you want that particular look and you want its functionality, then I would say go for it. Yeah. Does it automatically work out the height and everything of the keyboard as it pops up and things like that? Yep. Okay, cool. I knew that was kind of a pain for us a little bit. Yeah. And that's... um. That's kind of difficult to deal with with the device emitter keyboard will show 
it's kind of one of those things that you get back to using animated or you can use layout animation to, to accomplish that. But it is it is kind of a pain to hide and show the height and make it perfectly animate with the keyboard. It's one of those things that somebody should solve. Have you built any data visualization with React Native? I've done a little bit with like uh, Path.js, uh, Path.js, I believe it's called, where it kind of gives you these declarative things to give you arbitrary strings of SVG paths. So if you has like a bar chart function that just gives you nested SVG paths. But of course, Formidable Labs, they just released their victory, their victory series or their, their victory mm-hmm. API um, right. components, which have a lot of cool uh, React Native, React Art data visualization. So the one problem with, with React Native and visualizations is the React Art doesn't support hits yet. So touches and all that kind of stuff. So there's kind of a problem there where you can only have one hit and that's on the wrapper or you have to figure out your own coordinate system and that's kind of a pain. So speaking of pain points, um, with the animated API, what would you like to, like, where would you like to see it go next with the work that you've done on it? What sort of, what are the areas that you think it could improve? So there used to be the ability to call get animated value and get animated value would give you the current internal value synchronously. It was made private. You can still call it, but it's not recommended. And unfortunately, a couple of my tutorials in the past use it. And so now you have to attach a listener and save off that value asynchronously, which isn't a problem, except for that interpolate does not have the ability to add a listener to it. So you can, you then have to like do your own interpolation if you want a synchronous value based upon all this based upon the current value, that's kind of a pain. Ultimately, I'd love to see it moved off of JavaScript and moved into the Objective-C world because it is performant now, but to accomplish a lot of of various things does require, to accomplish the performance that you want to see, if you have to do a set state during an animation, you will see a stop. You will see some jank. And moving that off of the JavaScript, off the JavaScript world and to the Objective-C world would kind of boost performance. That's where I'd love to see it go. Um, and just kind of the ultimate thing is interpolate is great, but it's limited. So if we could define our own sort of formula for interpolation and, and kind of get provided those values and then return kind of arbitrary things, that would be another super powerful capability to kind of define your own formulas. So there's a couple of different things there that I'd love to see, but I'm not sure of their timeline at all. Cool. Yeah, I think one of the one of the hardest things that I found in a real app was um, blending animations with transitions in a navigator. Yeah. Um, often, like those two things, they don't know about each other by and large. So, and uh, with the anim- with the navigation navigator uh, component used, they've sort of changed that so that you need to use an event listener there as well to subscribe to events, to understand when a scene has been focused or will lose focus. And that's uh, powerful. Like I get where they're going with it, but it means that you're sort of writing a lot of code to try and manage these things that might happen in your app now. Yeah. The other, the other thing is, I don't know if you know much about the interaction manager, but it kind of puts off interactions to when stuff is done happening. And that's fine. Like, an animation as an interaction being true or false. That's just, that's another thing. Yeah. The, uh, the intersection between those three things basically is currently, it feels like it's going to mature or it has some maturing to go from where it is at the moment. Yeah. It needs to, it needs to mature. Definitely. Hopefully it will. I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to cover and there's not a lot of Facebook engineers that are, you know, working on all of this. So that was my rally for community support. That was a terrible rally. <laughs> no, I, I just started thinking about that. Like, damn, that's my cue. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the, the world of everybody expecting Facebook to like build all of this out. And, uh, sometimes you do have to get in and, and help out. So it's like navigate our iOS is community, re- community responsibility. And there's a lot of things that are our community responsibility. And they, they generally make that known. You know, if they're not working on it internally or it's not required inside of Facebook, then, you know, it's not going to get the, uh, the love and appreciation of, of the Facebook crew. This is absolutely true. I mean, the community call out is really important. And I think even if, if you're using it, I find a lot of people don't necessarily even open issues. They sort of think, oh, well, you know, it's probably me. I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, they'll, they'll know to take care of that in the future. 
but really sometimes just having a great use case and, you know, with something as simple as a, a, an attached example, um, replicating what you want to do and a proposal for an API, like, you know, what if we could do this? Um, that stuff's really useful to, to the people who are maintaining it. And then maybe someone else will see that and pick it up and contribute it or take it forward or pitch in with their experience of, hey, well, I've got this use case. And, you know, those real world use cases are often really hard for people to design in a vacuum. So, you know, like you can contribute at all levels, um, even if you're not confident writing and submitting PRs yet. Yeah, actually, the biggest contribution you can, can that people can help out with is closing issues, sure. not closing issues, but commenting on issues and like attempting to resolve them because there are some people that just post issues on the GitHub, like it's stack overflow. And that is not what the issues are for. So it, the issues on react native have kind of blown up, especially with the release of the Android version. Um, but going in and if you recognize a problem that you've had or whatever, just post the resolution and, um, that really helps out. That's very good information. Thanks. Abs- I mean, absolutely. I think, I mean, I know contributing to, the open source could be hard, but even opening issues and commenting on issues is like a step in that direction, right? Like, you know, like you're getting your feet wet and that can definitely turn into actual PRs down the road. Yeah, that's how I got some of my first PRs in. So, Particularly when someone says, hey, you know, like, could you just do it? Look here, do it like this. You know, the, it's often easier for someone who knows how to do it, who doesn't have time to do it. They can kind of point someone in the right direction and yeah, it's a great way to get started. Plus, if you open an issue, it does count in your GitHub history or your, your GitHub activity. So I know everybody cares about that so much. It's very important. Jed does, definitely does not care about that. I don't really. I actually <laughs> really don't. Oh, God. <laughs> Thanks. Are you on? I'm just <laughs> jealous, Jed. Dude, I, I feel like there's a joke here that I'm missing, but can assume that Jed has a, yep, yep, I see it now, all green. <laughs> Let's see, uh, longest current streak, 815 days. That's not too shabby. It's okay. It's not. I know uh, this is going to come up one day. Did you go back and fill any of that in, or has that been just consistent? That is 100% legit. There aren't even any uh, readme updates or white space changes in there. Oh, wow. No cheating. That is impressive. That's so great. Impressive is a word, I guess. That was a really good talk about uh, burnout and, you know, this sense of being expected to do things or needing to maintain a, a particular, you know, uh, public face at November that I thought was one of the best talks that I watched. Uh, it was by a, a lady who works for Mozilla. Uh, her Twitter handle is Supersole. And uh, I would highly recommend that everyone watches that when that video is released. Um, sorry, I'm going to diverge here because I think this is an important thing to talk about. Um, I sort of watched that talk and, and thought a lot about the amount that I contribute to, to open source and, you know, the GitHub streak thing. And I, I think it's easy to misconstrue that or see people and think, oh, you know, I should compete or, or that's being done for a particular reason. But that was really just a personal challenge that, that kind of hasn't stopped yet. Um, you know, it's not for any reason and I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Uh, like it's kind of insane. Um, <laughs> But it's like it's it's forced me to learn a lot of things, and and you know I've been very careful about creating a very sustainable um, kind of work life balance around that as well. It's it's more of a tool for myself to make sure that I'm not getting caught up on commercial work, or you know I'm not just kind of focused on something. I take some time out for open source every day, and that's really good for me. So that's what that's about. So taking us back to animations. Um what are some resources that you can recommend for our audience that uh, doesn't work with animations day to day? What, what should they start reading? What should they start playing with? And certainly specific to react, but also react native since uh, this is a react native podcast. Yeah. Can I pick my blog post? No, uh, I have a couple. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would. Yeah, <laughs> most certainly. Yeah. There's a couple, I, I have a couple basics of like, animating something around a screen, um, just animating a square from each corner. And then another one about like basic pan responder with using animated to pan responders, the, the gesture stuff. So somebody grabbing, you know, pressing down on something and moving it around. There's um, honestly, there's not a lot out there, which is 
why I think a lot of people gravitate towards my blog. Um, there's been a couple other posts out there of more basic examples, um, but I have not yet seen, and maybe that's just because I'm in my own world, I've not yet seen a ton of uh, in-depth animated examples or, or, or complex animated examples, I should say. So it's kind of hard, just Google React Native and animated and I dive through the, the history uh, or the, the Google search results. Some of it's is fairly sparse out there, unfortunately. Um, but actually, the like my biggest recommendation is just start small. Animate a square from zero to a hundred. Like that's that's just the start, and then slowly slowly builds up with various other you know interactions with gestures or interpolating colors and stuff like that. But once you start small and kind of see the how it kind of works of calling start and animating something from zero to a hundred and maybe adding a like a spring or a bounce or doing it over time, you know that just kind of helps set the concepts in your head and then publish it exactly it's so helpful I mean there's so much the API that's not really documented or you know the ways you could use it, even the fact that you can use interpolate to transition you know an RGBA string it's not really obvious. And sometimes when you're just looking through the source code of someone else's example, you say, oh, I could use that API that way or something like that. And it's just the probably one of the best resources we've got at this stage in the community development, you know, while it's under so much development and no one has enough time yet to sort of comprehensively write guides on it. And we're all learning together. It's really good. And if you figure something out, just throw it up on your GitHub and tweet about it. You'll probably get, you know, if you tweet at React.js News, someone will probably retweet you. <laughs> um, it's great to have like real world examples that, that you can look at. And, you know, someone is going to learn from something that you've done, regardless of what level you're at. And it's, it's really valuable. Totally agree. Can most of this stuff be emulated on the RN Play website? Oh, all of it can. All of my blog posts come with uh, RN Play links. So yeah, RN Play is a great place, especially if you don't have a Mac. And I know you had Joshua Searles on and he talked about his talk and, and stuff like that. But RN Play is a great place to just go kind of screw around and try this stuff out, especially if you don't have um, a, a Mac. Yeah, I think uh, digging into someone else's code, like one of your tutorials and kind of just changing things around and seeing what happens, that kind of helped me understand a little bit more than I did in just a few minutes time really so that's good that's good to hear um yeah I was gonna ask uh I know this is probably something that might not be able to be answered but with the fast pace that the API for React Native the change that we've been seeing and things like that I'm 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 just curious to know do you think they've set upon a stable API for the animated library or do you think that they're still looking at um like things that are a lot different than the way, the way they are now? Like, is it something worth learning and learning well, or do you think it may change significantly in the future? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that the Surface API is going to change. I think that's likely going to stay, but the internals will, will definitely change and, and are changing. So I would say definitely learn it. You know, people may add sugar on top of it, but, but ultimately the API is going to stay roughly the same and the internals might change, but, but it's good to learn now and kind of get that fundamental because animations are like a huge part of an application, a mobile application. And, uh, you know, maybe not adding gratuitous animations and, and things that destroy user experience, but adding subtle animations are, are super important to mobile applications. And I think that's one of the uh, benefits to me of the animated is that the animations in the end product do seem subtle. Like some of the CSS animations, just by nature of some, depending on what you're running on, the, the jitter and everything, because they're so smooth, they really do seem fully native and very subtle and, and they're like they're supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we can talk real quick before we finish this up about some best practices when animating things, like as far as UI is concerned. So kind of best practices, obviously have the animated source code open for you and the documentation. That's a best practice. I would say that don't just start animating, kind of figure out, break down each particular animation. And that's kind of what I kind of go for is like, you have this animation from zero to the end. And first off, just break down each interaction. And if you can use interpolate versus creating another another animated value, 
I would highly recommend doing that. Kind of look at this each portion of the animation and seeing if you can derive a position, color, or anything like that from a previous value. Because you can interpolate and interpolate as well. You can interpolate all the way down. And so ultimately, if you can derive your animation from a single point, then keeping those animations connected to each other and animating correctly is going to be much easier to, to deal with. So that's kind of my recommendation is just take a step back before you dive into the animated code, kind of list out all the animations. Like this is going to go from zero to a hundred and the opacity is going to change from, you know, zero to one. And maybe the background color is also going to change and then dive into your animations and kind of say, this is derived from this one. This one's kind of derived from that one. All right. I can use one interp one animated value and interpolate two of them. That's, that's my biggest recommendation. That's a great tip for, uh, setting that up with having chained values off a single interpolate. I also found it really easy to prototype animations in like a separate file or a separate scene. Just don't try and do it in the middle of, you know, a, a real app. Um, yeah. You can kind of get it working somewhere in isolation first. It's a lot easier to test and reload and all that stuff. Definitely. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. Well, um, I guess we'll go ahead and get to our picks. Um, Jed, would you like to go first? Yeah, I'm going to pick the videos from the November conference. Um, it was really far beyond the scope of Node this year. There was a lot of JavaScript. We had, you know, talks ranging from React Native to styling components in React to, you know, really interesting UI text input experiments. Um, a, a great talk by, I'm going to mispronounce this, but uh, Guillermo Rush, who is sort of one of my favorite developers of all time. <laughs> he talked on instant text. And then that one I mentioned earlier by... Uh, Sole. It was just a great conference, and I highly recommend watching the videos from it when they come out. Yeah, how great was November? There was about two or three talks during every track that I wanted to go to, and I couldn't make it to all of them. But I can't wait for the videos to come out. Are they already out? They're, they're coming out slowly. Uh, man, it was so hard. The only thing that sort of that, that made me comfortable watching any talk rather than the other ones that were on at the time was the fact that I knew they were being recorded and I'd be able to catch up. Otherwise, I would have spent the whole conference just freaking out about what I was missing. Yeah, exactly. That, that helped me sleep better at night. Like, including my talk. There was a great talk on at the same time. I'm like, but I want to be watching this other talk. And yeah, it was, it was great. Okay, uh, Peter, would you like to go next? Yeah, sure. So someone who, when first started with React Native, had trouble with navigation. If you check out Exponents X Navigator component, it makes uh, navigating an iOS app so much easier, especially if you've never built an iOS app before. Okay. Uh, Lee, would you like to go? Sure. Yeah. Um, the My pick is a TypeScript 1.6. I thought it was pretty exciting. I'm a TypeScript fan. I use it for back-end modules, but with 1.6, which is the current release, they support JSX and React in line um, with all the typings and everything right there. So it was a pretty cool addition. And it's kind of neat to see Microsoft do you know, Visual Studio Code and TypeScript and their code deploy, um, just really get involved in the open source community. Okay, Kevin, any picks? So I ran across a repo um, from TaskRabbit, which is uh, a, um, it looks like some kind of task service or delivery service. Um, they have a full-blown React Native sample app um, that implements a uh, Twitter or Tumblr style um of an app where you've got a list of things that you're looking through making posts. And it's actually extremely thorough in um, its implementation. Uh, it has tests in there that are run against uh, Appium. It has a custom navigation uh, component. Um, it's got a flux architecture. It, it's really storing data in, in like a local, a local file. And it's actually the most complete thing that I've seen recently that I can, you know, like would say, hey, look, go look at this and this can give you some pointers. And it appears that it doesn't mention anything about it in the um, the documentation, but it appears like it has a, a very thin authentication layer. So it's very well structured. I'll put this link in the show notes. I highly recommend checking it out just for uh, like a uh, app structure and um, tips for how to uh, to work with React Native. Okay, um, Jason, do you have any picks? Yeah, so I have two picks, and I actually just changed my mind on the pick. The first off is is React.rocks. React Rocks has a bunch of 
like tiles and they feature a whole bunch of different libraries and demos and various tutorials on React and React Native. Um, they're kind of inter- intermixed in. So I recommend that, checking that out. And the other one is actually also from TaskRabbit, is uh, React Native Parse Text. Uh, it allows you to provide a, um, a text string and various things like URL parsers, um, phone parsers, email parsers, and then arbitrary other parsers. So if you wanted to do like app mentions and all those kind of things, it allows you to define that and then apply certain styles to that text. So it's great for a chat application if you need to highlight URLs and underline them and all that kind of stuff. And then attach click listeners and, and things like that. And I'll give them a little shout out. Uh, they are hiring a React Native developer. So if you're in San Francisco and want to work on some cool React Native stuff, give TaskRabbit a call. Cool. Well, um, I have three picks. Um, I'll go through them real fast. The first is a 30-course tutorial on getting started with Redux. It's on Egghead. It was put together by Dan Abramoff, and it looks really awesome. If you've been on Twitter, you may have already seen this by the time this comes out. But I just want to reiterate, I've gone through the first couple, and someone coming from Flux and not really doing any Redux yet, this was perfect for me, and I'm assuming a lot of other people out there might get some um, value out of it as well. So that's really awesome. And um, my second pick is the Pomodoro technique. I have a lot of issues sometimes being distracted by things at work. And this is basically just a technique to help you focus on what you're doing. And there's a cool app for it. Um, It's basically, there's a lot of stuff on the internet about it. So check it out if you want to maybe be a little more productive at work. Well, I have two picks. (laughs) (laughs) okay jason um you've been really an excellent guest uh you i really appreciate you coming on today we've uh had some really interesting discussion i think yeah thank you and if anybody out there needs animation help or needs me to look at animations or mock-up animations uh just tweet at me or uh, send me an email okay great well thanks everyone for listening to episode nine of react native radio we'll see you next week 